Welcome to our podcast, Automotive Tech Talk. Hey, this is number one, number one podcast. That's it, number one. Here we go. Let's do this. Yeah, first one and number one. Hey, here we go. Yeah, this is John Gardner. I uh, host Tech Garage and Motorhead Garage on Motor Trend, Mav TV, and Revan TV. You might have seen me on there. And what you might not know about me is I'm actually an automotive instructor at Chipola College, man. I've been doing that for 20 years. ASE certified master technician. Am I a subject matter expert? Yep. Can I fix every car in the world? Nope. If they tell you they can, they're lying. But they got to be able to figure it out, man. There's a lot going on with the cars. I got my sidekick here, Josh Ellis. He's an ASE master certified technician as well and an instructor, man. So podcast number one, we got E-Dove running the system back there, man. He's got us hooked up. We're going to show a lot of cool stuff. This is going to be a good one, man. What should we talk about? Cars are so sophisticated today. I think a lot of people get uh, really intimidated by their vehicles and what they can do to upkeep them. But really the simplest thing they can do is just do a consistent maintenance. Yeah, maintenance is key. Absolutely, man. And I'll tell you why. We've, we've done this so long. I mean, in automotive shops, automotive guys out there, you can relate with me, man. You tear apart an engine, it's full of sludge, it's full of coolant, it's full of goop and all kinds of mess in there. And basically, the common denominator is it just wasn't maintained. That's really the bottom line. When they're not maintained, there's problems. And maintaining a vehicle today has changed, man. They're technologically sophisticated. The services have changed. The fluids have changed. There's a lot to it. Definitely can't do it like you used to. It's not something that you, a lot of this stuff you can do at home, but some of it you really do need to take to the dealer to get taken care of and make sure you get the proper fluids and just you can get a maintenance schedule from them as well and know exactly when it is that your vehicle needs to be serviced. What a great place to start. We got a maintenance schedule. Take a look at this. We got a graphic behind us. We did a little bit on Tech Garage. I kind of want to feed off of that because it gives us an idea of where we're going to go. Let's talk about some of the fluids and take a look at this here. Service going on in this graphic. Just take a look at the check marks. We don't need to go through all of them, but it is important, especially on today's cars. Now, why? Let's start right here with oil and work our way down. Well, you can see I got some 50 weight and some zero W20. Now, that's kind of weird, zero weight oil. I know Brian and I like the old school guys. Hey, let's dump some thicker oil in there. It'll fix everything. No, not the case anymore, and I'll show you why. First of all, what's viscosity? Well, check this out. I got yep. What's viscosity? I mean, we got a cool demo, Josh, but in your mind, what's viscosity? What does that even mean? Why do I want to get the right oil? Well, if something's more viscous, it's going to be a thicker oil. If it's less viscous, it's going to be a thinner oil. And like you're about to point out, we have all kinds of different passages, and it seems like the more efficient an engine gets, the smaller the passages get, and you don't want to put a thick oil into a place where a thin oil has to go. Yeah, and I tell you what, we even, old school guys, I'm old, man, you know, you're a lot younger, but we got those variable valve timing and all that stuff, and the displacement motors, and they start ticking, so the first thing we do, we run and get some 50 weight and dump it in there, man totally opposite the knock actually the ticking got worse so what do we do well we went to the manufacturer zero w20 we went into a lower viscosity and it got better so i mean there's huge to that yeah i like to think about it as i flick the oil on the wall man if i flick some zero weight oil on the wall it hits the wall and then i flick some 50 weight on there man and what happens is all of a sudden the zero just runs down real thin and the other one's kind of thick and goopy as it goes down but a lot of stuff runs off of that check this out viscosity what is it these balls really show it 
these balls in the little beakers, we can watch it go down. You see the one there with the zero? It's actually flowing. It's nice and cold. Bam, it's going down. The 50 weight, well, it's taking a little while to get down there. That's the difference in the viscosity. Now, what does that matter? Well, check it out. Variable valve timing, man. It has to run all these little solenoids in here. It has to move this back and forth. If it's too thick, it's not going to do its job. Also, right here on the table, this is a solenoid that it has to pass through. You can see the little actual filter that it has to pass through. That starts getting clogged up, the technology's not going to work. Direct injection, the pressure of the actual fuel pump driving on this oil is breaking it down. I mean, the ball hasn't even made it yet. Big difference between the oils and the oil filter. Make sure you keep it clean. It's just a filter media in there. You have to go ahead and change that every time as well. Super important. Clean oil matters and the right oil matters. Seems pretty simple. Start out with oil. I mean, the technology today, once again, variable valve timing. Oil runs that stuff. I mean, if it's not clean, if it's not the right weight, your car may run fine. Man, we build a 350 out in the backyard in the dirt, right? Throw a little dirt in the bearings, put it together, crank it down. We didn't have a torque wrench, man. The thing would run just fine. Not the case today. We're talking about alloys, different aluminums, different metals on these blocks. Everything has to be correct. Everything has to be accurate. And man, oil is the lifeblood of the engine today. It totally is. And when you think about it, you think about the different weights in the oil and being able to fit in those tight crevices that are being designed nowadays. We think about lubrication, but a huge job that oil does, we think about, and we're going to get into it, but engine coolant is oil absor absorbs and takes on a lot of heat. And a thicker oil is going to take on a ton of heat and it's not going to be able to dissipate it. That thin oil, like the 0W20, is critical for heat dissipation and getting to those tight crevices. Real good point. I mean, you start doing that with the engines, the lighter weight engines, they're getting more fuel efficient. There's a lot of friction going on in that engine as it's spinning. The manufacturers are lighting that up. We're doing what? Dual overhead cams, 32 valves. They're running the cams on top of the lifters. I mean, we got to oil the passage systems in these engines that are far, far advanced than they used to be. So, you know, we'd run five, 10 pounds of oil and just keep driving it. It was fine. Maybe a little bit of knock, it was fine. Now today, man, they're going to conk out. It's going to stop. You're going to have problems, man. So oil, that's a good place to start, man. Yep. Let's look at the second thing, brake fluid. People don't, people don't think about brake fluid as being a service item, but it actually is. Mm -hmm. That's right. If uh, you have an older, if you have some older oil brake fluid, it can be a dot three or dot four, five, five point one, and uh, that's that's the latest and greatest. And people don't realize each one of those has a specific boiling point, and there's a reason for it. So if I have dot five, I can't put that. If my car calls for a dot five, I can't put dot three in it because it's going to start boiling prematurely and I might have brake fade. Yeah, absolutely. And, and dot five, that's a great point. Dot five is silicone-based brake fluid. Mm -hmm. Dot three, dot four, and dot 5.1 are all glycol-based brake fluid. So once again, you check your manufacturer specification. You can go up on a higher dot, but you have to stay with a glycol base. So if you put four and supersede three, you're fine. But five is for specific vehicles, and mm -hmm. it's glycol-based. And, and, and brake fluid, it needs to be serviced too. Well, what do you mean? Well, it's hygroscopic. That's right. Yep, hygro. I know I got chewed out for that one. No, it's <laughs> It's not hydro, it's hygro. Means it absorbs water. That's right. Well, if it absorbs water, you open up the cap right here on the bench, what's it going to do? So it'll suck in water, it's going to absorb water, it's going to lower the boiling point because the boiling point of water is actually lower than the brake fluid. 
Exactly. So it's a massive amount of heat. Your brake systems accumulate a massive amount of heat. The pads are hitting the rotors. The shoes are hitting the drums. Our cars are getting faster, man. That's right. You got to stop quicker. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting a lot faster, man. I put a Camaro together, man. I go down the track. I'm running 13s, and I'm looking at the clock at 100 miles an hour at 13s, and, man, I am flying, and I'm so mad. They come out of the factory now running 10s, 11s. I'm like, dude, I spent like $3,000 on my Camaro, and I'm going 13s. That's right. But I was flying. <laughs> Making a lot of noise, too. You know what I'm talking about. Big double pumper carburetor and some exhaust, and I just kept going slower and slower and slower. <laughs> it's all about that efficiency of those engines today. Right. Yep, brake fluid's huge, man. Let's talk a little bit about brake fluid. Watch this. Talk a little bit about brake fluids. They've changed as well. You have dot .3, dot .4, and dot .5.1. They're all glycol-based, so the higher the number kind of supersedes the other one. It's a higher boiling point. On the other hand, there's dot .5. Now, that's an actual silicone base. They're not interchangeable. Why is that important? Well, look at our little cutaway here. All these seals inside of here are compatible to the fluid that you're using. So if these start to swell up or bleed by in the master cylinder... Yeah, you think about that. People don't get to see inside of their master cylinder. What's going on inside of that master cylinder, man? You got all those pistons and seals, and that's what's holding the pressure in your brake lines. I mean, that's critical. That's right. So if you push down, if you put some dot five in your vehicle and it's supposed to be dot four or even dot 5.1 and you grab the wrong thing, put that in there, it can eat those seals. Next thing you know, you're going down the road and you don't have brakes. You know what? People put transmission fluid in there. I've seen every seal on a brake system swell up. Every seal. I'm talking about brake lines, brake hose, caliper seals, wheel cylinder seals. You have to go and replace the whole thing. So yeah, brake fluid is just as important, man. Under. Man, it's going to bleed by every time. Once it does that, well, your brake's going to go to the floor. You're going to get brake fade. It's a problem. Use the right fluid. Well, we talked yep. about this one all the time. Yeah, brake fade, man. That's it, right? It's boiling. Air is compressible. Liquid's not. Pedal goes right to the floor. What's going on? Time to bleed the brake system. So get your brake system maintained. Flush the fluid just like you would any other service. Get it out of there. Get new fluid in. Raise the boiling point. Drive safe. That's right. A lot of these manufacturers, you think they're just trying to make a whole bunch of money off of you, but doing these things. But really, what they have in mind is the longevity, longevity of your vehicle and your safety, ultimately, when it comes down to it. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah, right. They want to get it in the shop. Well, no, man. Warranties, they own that thing for 36,000 miles in three years. They want that car to go right and put in the criticals of fluids, the right fluids. This is coolants, man. I love my little collage of fluids here. We use this a lot because it's important. It really demonstrates the difference of the coolants. There's Asian coolants, import coolants. There's all kinds of extra light coolant and regular coolant. So you want to use the manufacturers. Why, once again? I'm not just throwing this out there. I want you to look inside this hose right here. So if I pull this hose open, although it feels good, it looks good, inside, no, it's gone. It's all shot. It's rotted away. You're going to have a problem. You can't mix these. They turn into a gel. You ruin the coolant system. You start overheating your car. Catastrophic failure. Oh. Number one, number one vehicle breakdown, Mr. Ellis. Coolant failure. Number right. one. Yep. Overheating. What's going on? People a lot of times don't change out their coolant. They don't get a coolant flush. It's good for now the newer vehicles for 100,000 miles, but people driving them for 150, they haven't even touched the coolant. Yeah, and the cars are lasting a lot longer. That's I mean, right. yeah, absolutely. They're getting lightweight. They're more efficient. They're lasting longer. Once again, coolant systems, the hoses, the compatibility for the different coolants, man. Long life coolant. There's regular coolant. There's all different types. Where's the best place to check and see what your manufacturer takes? Obviously, your service manual, go to your local manufacturer, call them up, they'd be glad to tell you. And like you said, there's all kinds of different kinds. You have 
IET, inorganic, you have hybrid organic, you have organic technology, all this stuff. And it's like, well, which one goes to my vehicle? Do I get the green coolant or the purple coolant? The thing is, you can't even go by colors anymore. You know, some people might have purple, some might have green. Green might be an old coolant. Well, green might be a new coolant for one manufacturer that is the hybrid organic technology. Just check with your manufacturer and find out specifically what goes in your vehicle. That's good advice, right? I checked with you. You used to work at Dodge. I did. did. (laughs) We put a water pump on this season. We actually, Josh, you might not know this, but he's actually the technical director of Tech Garage. So he's the one that sets it all up and gets everything going, which is really cool. But the deal is, is we did a water pump on a Challenger, right? A Hemi. And man, I went and got cool. And I just, it says multi-cool. And I poured it in there, man. and, And man, you chewed me out. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is like a lot of times you look under the cap. I know Dodge does this, and I think they had a service bulletin for this, is that they have a purple coolant in their new stuff. And over time, it kind of turns to a pinkish red. But before that, they had an orangish red coolant. So a lot of people want to put that in there. And it's like, no, don't put that in there because it could cause you problems. A lot of times when you mix these coolants, not just with Dodge, but other coolants, they will start to coagulate. They'll start to form a little gel and start clogging up these get oh excuse me these coolant galleries in your engine and that will lead to overheating yeah coolant galleries little passages where it has to go to grab the heat and take it throw it out to the front boom get rid of it so coolant systems pressure check it flush it make sure you're update with coolant that's another service item let's look at some different fluids over here with power steering fluid what's the big deal different makes different models you have little veins inside of here they pop out the clearances have gotten tighter through the years once those clearances get tighter you need the right fluid Fuel filters. Well, you see my fuel Yeah, power steering, man. Wow. So automatic transmission fluid. Come on, people. You all are with me here. We go get some Mercron, fill it up. We're good to go. Not the case anymore. Like like you said, it comes back to seals. Some of those things, those seals start to break down. You start losing power steering, get that little jerk because it's blown by the seals inside your inside your uh power steering and it's really cool we got to do some things with some big manufacturers man of the power steering pumps i don't want to drop any names but you know what it kept coming down to make sure you filter the the fluid make sure it's nice and clean and they were talking to us at the manufacturer about the tolerances man you know back in the 80s there was a ginormous tolerance in there and hey we just pumped some fluid we were good to go but today not the case once again the tolerances are so tight the pumps are smaller they're developing more pressure and the fluids get beat up and you have to have the specific fluid. So don't dump transmission fluid in there and just say, hey, I'm good to go. Especially nowadays, now that you have electric power steering. Some of them aren't just full electric. It's kind of a hybrid of electric and hydraulic. And I know some are green and some are some are red. Like you would think, you see the red fluid, you think automatic transmission fluid is poured in there. But you put the wrong fluid in there, again, it, it goes back to the seals or the, the boiling points and different things. You'll have some steering fade and it can cause a lot of problems. I thought electric power steering was electric. It can be <laughs> <laughs> hybrid with it both. Yeah, electrohydraulic, very cool. Yeah, we we went through a whole we went through a whole evolution of power right. steering, man. Yeah, I looked up under a car one day and I'm like, where's the power steering pump, man? Where's the hoses? It's like nothing there, man. Nothing there, dude. It's right. fully yeah, electric, crazy, right. but it's still out there, man. Fuel filters, here we go. Fuel filters, man. I mean, whew, where do we even go with that? That's just pumping your fuel to your fuel injection system back in the day let's go back carburetor we dump it in there a little dirt hey wouldn't hurt anything then we went with injections you know multi-port injections we have these little injectors start clogging those up you got problems today we're going direct injection right into the block with maybe 15 to 3,000 psi of pressure but it's all about 
atomizing that fuel. And man, we just simply can't atomize dirty fuel. Not going to work. Absolutely not. The last thing you want is to have a clogged fuel filter and be able, you're in a hurry to go somewhere and the thing is clogged up and you can't even start your vehicle in the morning. Or even worse, you go down the road and it finally gets that one last speck of dirt that no more fuel can get past and you're stuck on the interstate. Nobody Comes wants out. That. Nope. Yep. Yeah, I love it. You go out to the car. Man, nah, 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 nothing don't start and the tow truck driver comes to get it cranks right up what's going on well all that dirty fuel probably settled sat in the fuel pump maybe the fuel pump got hot it quit and then all of a sudden it contracted back cooled down it's good you crank it up you start driving it to the steeler it conks out again it's going to stop again so yeah you got to have clean fuel man we met you may not even have a fuel filter though you worked at dodge man that's a that's a big thing a lot of it's on the sock and nowadays you can't even buy just the sock to go in the fuel filter even aftermarket you have to buy the entire fuel pump to get the sock and then like you were talking about injectors and different things some of those are considered self-cleaning in case they get some debris stuck in there they open up a little bit wider to spray through and hopefully burn out any kind of dirty fuel that you do have you said sock that's like located this stuff's all inside the tank i Correct. mean yeah, yeah right right before it sucks up into that fuel pump inside the, the assembly there and if you got a really gotcha. nice kind manufacturer he may give you an access port to get to that through the back seat but 90 percent of them is going to make you drop that whole fuel tank and possibly a differential to get to it sometimes yeah, and diesel's much better that's nice i love when it goes down your arm and when it gets to your armpit that's really fun. So make sure you change the fuel filter. It burns pretty good, right? Yeah, we tie rags around our hands and we're taking the fuel pump out. I know y'all been there laying on the ground, fuel sloshing. All you have to do is change the fuel pump, man. Nothing to it. So fuel pump, fuel systems, man, we got more fluids. Holy mackerel. Clean one and a dirty one. We start restricting fuel flow. Maybe even on a new car, you start having the fuel filter built into the tank on the fuel assembly. You may not even have one, but if you have one, service it and keep it right. Transmission, on the other hand, here we go again. Man, Bertron, Dextron, seven, six, five, what? Use the manufacturer's service manual calls for. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> SpaceX just took off. All right. That's right, yeah. Hey, it's getting that complicated, isn't it? It is. It is. I think the common thread, it seems like through all this so far, we got a couple more things, but check with your manufacturer. You don't want to just, I mean, you're taking care of your vehicle. You've invested a lot of money and this is going to be taking you places. You have to have something dependable. So you want to make sure it has the right stuff in it. Transmissions, this magical machine. Josh, why do I want to keep fresh fluid in my transmission? Well, you got little, again, little tiny, small passages. You have really fine bores in there with your, with your valve body and the spool valves. And there's barely any clearance in there and what happens is fluid just with like with any fluid it starts to swell it it expands a little bit so you want to make sure you have the right fluid it's not expanding at a rate that exceeds the limits of your vehicle now transmissions are driven by fluid i mean clutches and clutch packs and how do you shift gears well you shift gears with the fluid yeah yeah you have a valve that opens and a valve that closes it directs the the fluid through the valve body and if again if you have the wrong fluid it can burn and guess what it, fluid does when it burns it varnishes and makes valve stick and then you got a super expensive problem it could cost you a couple hundred bucks at the dealer or somebody else to do it for you but then now it's going to end up costing you a thousand bucks to get a valve body replaced or even worse exactly hey man i mean i keep giving away my age but you know we would go down the road or you would go down the road and you'd feel your car slipping it's like oh man it feels like the transmission's slipping and i'm going and it's slipping and it gets worse it gets worse it gets worse and then you need a three thousand dollar transmission guess what today it's all electronics, man. You got this thing controlling line pressure. So if we're holding those clutches with that fluid, all of a sudden I 
put some line pressure on, I hold it. Well, that transmission has an input and output and it sees it slipping. So before you could even feel it, it jacks up line pressure and it squeezes those clutches tighter. And then it slips some more and it jacks it up even more. And eventually all that clutch material gets worn away. So what happens? You stop at a stoplight, pressure solenoid says, hey, forget it, man, I'm out. I can't even hold them anymore. Backs out. So you didn't have any slippage and all of a sudden, boom, your car don't move. I mean, that's huge when it comes to fluids. Yeah, what about CVTs? Holy mackerel. Continuous, Continuous variable transmission. transmission. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to have the right fluid in that. It's got its own special fluid, and that's that's not necessarily driven by valves and solenoids and stuff in it. You have pulleys, actually two cones that come together and move back and forth, but those are hydraulically actuated themselves. You have to have the right fluid for that. Well, I've seen guys wipe out CVTs, six, $7,000 with the wrong fluid. Mm -hmm. Absolutely huge, all right? Let's move on. More filter in there while you're underneath the car do it right getting over to the actual differential once again if i have a differential in my car do i have an open differential or do i have a limited slip it makes a difference gear oil or am i getting some kind of traction here traction control for the clutch packs i can wipe out a differential in a heartbeat and it's also important to say if you're dealing with the cvt transmission a continuous variable transmission well you really have to use the right fluids Yep. So we go to the differential. If you have a differential, differential's in a rear-wheel drive car, transaxle's in a front-wheel drive car, you still have a, a diff up there, but probably part of the unit itself. Differentials and differential service, another another important thing, Josh. That's right. I mean, if you think about differentials, if you're me, you think, that has got some massive, strong gears in there, and I just throw any kind of lubrication gear oil in there that I want. But again, the reality is, when things get hot, they expand, and those gears, they have certain lash in there that that fluid has to be able to go into and if you put the wrong gear oil in there it's not going to be able to get between those gears and lubricate your your differential and you're going to end up with some problems it's going to overheat and talking about the limited slip additive um people if you don't put it in there you start you start having chatter it's supposed to be there to condition and and lubricate the friction material so you're not going to end up with some chatter well nowadays a lot of the newer stuff that comes with it, they just go ahead and put the additive in in the gear oil for you. But you need to, again, check with your manufacturers and look at your specifications. Overlooked, yeah. Overlooked service. Overlooked service. Going over here, man. The car is five or six years old. Rock Auto carries AGM batteries. Start thinking about putting a battery in there. It's probably time, and it's time to put a battery in there, keep it cleaned and maintained. And something else a lot of people don't think about. All right. actually have a TPMS light. All right, so let's talk about batteries for a minute here. We're wrapping it up. But you guys, hey... Holy mackerel, the accessories on the cars, the stuff the battery has to drive. I mean, these cars are totally electronic. I don't think battery technology quite caught up to us, man. I'm still using a lot of a lot of lead plates in there and stuff. And the, I guess the most recent advancement is the AGM absorbed glass mat uh, material. And I know a lot of cars have, because they're trying to conserve space in the engine, but, you know, keep it efficient, you know, put bigger engines, but also get a fuel economy. What can I do here? What can I use this battery space for? Put something there. So now they're putting it under the seat. Well, batteries under the engine, what they used to have. They had, you just add water. They had maintenance batteries. You could add water, sloshing around. Do I want uh, sulfuric acid under my car under my seat when i'm driving around <laughs> exactly no so i put a glass gel kind of material in there so make sure you don't just buy you know agm batteries they are a lot more expensive but there's a reason that they have that in there so it's not sloshing around under your seat while you're driving down the road and let me give you guys a hint man um 
cars get very stupid today below 9.6 volts, really about 10.5. I mean, they start dropping and, and that's easy for a battery to, to do. You think about 2.1 volts per cell, there's six cells. So it's supposed to be 12.6, you start to be charging. Maybe you have one shorted out cell. You may be driving along fine, but you start turning on accessories. You get those phantom check engine lights, like 30 codes pop up. It's like, what's going on? It may be just as simple as a battery starting to die. And, and guess what, man? They say five, seven years. We're seeing out there batteries lasting three to five years. If you get five out of a battery today, man, you're lucky. Absolutely lucky. Mm -hmm. Tough, tough battery. So make sure you maintain it. Voltage drop, another thing on a battery. Man, you got to make sure the cables are clean. You pop the hood, that's the first thing you look at. Remember all the corrosion and stuff? If you see that on a battery, I'm sure the rest of the vehicle hasn't been maintained. You're probably right about that. And the thing is, you would think sometimes, well, my battery is dying, but check the terminals because sometimes that won't even allow the starter to engage. You think, oh, well, my starter is bad. Well, you might have a corroded terminal. Seen that multiple times. So make sure you check that instead of trying to go for an expensive fix. Just check your terminals, see if there's some corrosion. That might be a, a less expensive fix for you. Yeah, and something they don't think about is the TPS monitors. But before we get to that, let's just think about that. Let's. What do they do? They go out, they pop the hood. Man, what can they find with a good visual inspection? That's 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 huge. I mean, look at stuff. It's going to tell the tale, isn't it? That's right. I mean, if you see a battery and you see the cable and it's got a whole bunch of white gook and corrosion in the battery terminal or crawling down the cable, that's going to be some massive resistance in that terminal. It can cause a lot of problems, like you said, with voltage drop. It's, everything's just so sensitive. Or if you're looking under your hood and you're looking at the coolant hoses and you got something that you squeeze the you squeeze the hose and you feel it kind of crackle under your hands, that's that's not a good thing. There's some some corrosion <laughs> going on inside inside the actual engine block, yep. and it's kind of calcified and solidified there inside that hose and that's a that's another sign of a problem yeah and you think about that i mean the oil yeah you're going to look it feel it smell it i mean you know we didn't discuss problems i mean we could do a whole nother show on mm -hmm. diagnostics but holy macro i mean it's all milky and watery or whatever there's stuff in there the coolant may be getting in there you know transmission fluid you can smell it i mean this is not smell vision but man it's right. it's it burns it's burnt you can smell it it's burnt it's nasty you know it i mean same with the differential when you take that stuff apart you know just look at it feel it smell it the texture you can always compare it to something new but this stuff has to be done and and you know last but not least let's talk about something that a lot of people don't realize their cars have this is a tpms tire pressure monitors down there check this out and you know it's getting to be five six seven years old the battery life's only good about five or six or seven years old so we just replaced them as a whole set the tire pressure monitors tpms monitors in all the tires sensing the tire pressure that's huge i mean in your tires you have sensors mm -hmm. you don't have a long cable with an extension cord when you drive it kind of unreals right. so how do they work well, they have radio frequencies and each radio frequency is fine-tuned to your again specific vehicle well, if your tire light comes on there's a problem i mean if it if it's if it's coming on it's telling you hey your tire pressure is low the manufacturers are looking out for your safety they want you to be safe and they want the longevity of those tires to last as well yeah, definitely. And it's a five to six year battery life. So think about it. They were implemented in 2007, 2008. Cars had to have them. So they're starting to go. You get a low tire pressure light. You know, a really good trick is, is you can look at that light. It's either solid or blinking. That's a pretty good telltale of what's going on. And we'll do a, we'll do a whole podcast on tire pressure monitors, man. We'll go into different systems on the car, but that was a heck of a good start. I mean, we looked at all the maintenance, all the service items of what's going on and how important is that service, man. You got a ginormous and investment in your car you want to service yours 
I think I'm going to. I'm going to go home and do it today, actually. The <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nice thing is, is he runs an automotive class, so he's got about 16 professional uh, automotive students, and just, hey, they keep their vehicles well-maintained, no doubt about it. I mean, they understand the importance of it. So I hope you guys got something out of this. This is huge. Um, this is podcast number one. They're just going to keep coming, man. But you know what? We want to hear from you, so drop it in the comments. What what do you want, man? We got Edub, our executive producer, sitting back there, man. He can make anything happen. So thanks to him. Thanks to Chipola College, man, Tech Garage, Motorhead Garage for giving us the spotlight to go ahead and do some of this stuff. But we can't do this without you. So make sure you go ahead, download it, subscribe. We'll keep them coming. You guys listen. That's for sure. All right. So next topic, I don't know. Stand tuned. Stay tuned. We'll figure it out. All right. Good to see you. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you for the next Automotive Tech Talk.